Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Fire Inspired Young Apostolic Podcast, or FIRE for short. Um, we're going to be talking about the oneness of God. And um, we as Apostolic Pentecostals believe in uh, in oneness. Uh, we believe that Jesus was God. And we believe that he was the son. We believe that, that he was the Holy Ghost. And how we believe that is that God was, God is a spirit. And we believe that the man, Christ Jesus, represents the humanity. So he was, God is a spirit. And so according to the scripture, um, God was invisible. But he had to make himself known unto uh, people, so he became, uh, he became flesh, and so uh, God was manifested in the flesh, and he was justified in the spirit, and um, and he said, you know, my peace I'll leave with you, I won't leave you comfortless. So, um, so we're going to dive into that, and we're going to look at that um, the next couple of weeks, and so we're going to be talking about in this lesson who is Jesus, and. Um, our key text uh, for this is going to be Isaiah 9 and 6, uh, and John 10 and 30, and John 14 and 9. Those are going to be our bases. And, um, and uh, we got to remember that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So uh, in this lesson today, um, we will be including examples of Jesus revealing his deity, his d- divinity, his um, his divine power, and explaining uh, how the knowledge of uh, who he is affects our salvation. And so, um, in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, and the uh, fourth verse, it puts it like this, six and four, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So, um, this verse uh, is often called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, and that word means to hear, to, uh, to pay attention to, to, um, to, uh, to, um, to pay attention, so to speak. I'm kind of using paraphrasings here, um, but uh, it's called the Shema. And in the in the Jewish nation, it is still considered the most important prayer or declaration um, a Jew can make in uh, in their life, and uh, and it is a found it is the foundation of the Jewish identity because of the most important uh, the most importance of knowing and believing that there is only one God, and. Um, I worked with a coworker whose dad was a Jewish rabbi, and we were be we were able to talk. and um, He even said that he was he considered himself an Orthodox Jew, or um, I guess the better term was a traditional Jew, um, would be uh, what you would kind of consider the old ways of believing. And he told me that on uh, a, a traditional Jew's deathbed. Um, that they would try with everything within them to quote uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, 5, and uh, even 6, possibly 7, uh, if time would allow them. But most most of them would try uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 
um, because that was their final confession of faith, that that they believed in one one God. But um, unfortunately, most traditional Jews, um, uh, and even at the time of the New Testament, when Jesus uh, showed up professing to be God in the flesh, um, the Jews even then, and even to today, uh, a lot of them accuse him of, uh, or accuse the record of Jesus to be blasphemy. Uh, and what 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 we have to understand is that they couldn't understand that um, that this man by the name of Jesus uh, did not contradict their belief in one God, but but completed it to, uh, and he solidified it. And they were expecting God uh, to come as a mighty king or a mighty warrior riding in to um, rescue them, sweep them away uh, from the Roman Empire. Um, but however, they failed to realize that he was um, he was the fulfillment of the sacred prophecies that outlined exactly how God would come and how he would bring and become their salvation. Um, Jesus points out uh, in multiple places, especially John um, 10 and 30, he puts it like this. He said, I and my Father are one. And so um, when he said this, the Jews picked up stones. Uh, if we read a little further, just like the next couple of verses, and they picked up stones and they were ready to stone him because... Um, they said in verse 33, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, but for, but for, um, speaking evil. And because that thou being a man makest thyself, uh, God. And what we got to understand is that Jesus went on to explain how the flesh was sent. In John uh, 10 and 38, he goes on a little further, but if I do, thou believe, believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And so Jesus and God here, as we just kind of point out in John, are one and um. They can't be separated. They can't be two entities. They can't be two. Um, they can't be two persons. Uh, they are one person in the same. Um, Jesus wasn't um, a man trying to be God. He was God come to earth as the flesh to save the world. So there's only one God, and yes, his name is Jesus. So why did God come? In the form of, of um, in the form of man, and take on the name of Jesus. Well, because there was a need for a savior. God created humanity with a desire for a relationship. Adam and Eve fulfilled this desire uh, for a time, um, and they walked with God. They talked with God. Um, they walked with them in the cool of the day, but um, their sin had separated. Their sin uh, separated them from. Um, from God, as we see in Romans 8 and 7, it puts it like this. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity or, uh, or, um, is, 
op- opposite. Um, it's not love, but it's hatred against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And so, um, so our sinful nature, our, our sins, um, they're, they're always going to be against uh, God. Our, our fleshly side's always going to be against God. And we needed a Savior. First uh, Corinthians 15 and 22 puts it like this. It says, for as at for as in Adam all died, and what he, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And so, basically, what Paul is saying here is, is Adam brought about the death of everyone because before Adam fell, um, we, we were living in paradise. There, we we didn't we didn't know what dying was, uh, because um, we were living righteous and holy, um, before God. But then when Adam sinned. There had to be a dying process, and and there was a a death, so to speak, spiritually, because God and man didn't have that close walking and talking relationship no more. It was, it was a separated um, relationship. But when Christ came, uh, he restored that connection. He 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 didn't bring about death, but he brought about eternal life. And so, um. Not only that, but um, but uh, when God made coats of skin for Adam and Eve uh, from animals, He showed the necess uh, the necess uh, necessity or the um, requirement of blood as covering for our sins. In Genesis three and uh, twenty one, it puts it like this: It says. Uh, un, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And so how did God get the skins? Well, he had to take them from an animal. And uh, and let's be logical um, about it. Uh, if if you were to come and take my clothes from me, uh, you'd probably you'd probably have to um, you'd probably have to rip them off me, right? Because I wouldn't give them freely. Uh, especially if it's cold outside, and um, and so um, so then we go a little further in in the time of um, in the beginning, and and we see the story of Cain and Abel, um, and uh, again there is that establishment uh, of the importance of blood as it is appropriate for sacrifice, um, appropriate uh, of sacrifice for a covering of sins, as we see in Genesis the fourth chapter, uh, three through five, it says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord and Abel. He also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain in his offering, he had not respect and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance, or his, um, his look, or his attitude, so to speak, uh, fell. Uh, his his countenance, his attitude, uh, kind of became pouty. And so the blood sacrifice served as an atonement 
uh, for those sins. We, we can find an example of this in Exodus, the 29th chapter and the um, 36th verse. It puts it like this, and thou shalt offer every day a bullock or a, um, or a young bull or a young steer for a sin offering for atonement or for um uh for forgiveness uh for a covering and thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it thou shalt anoint it thou shalt um uh uh anoint it and sanctify or I better yet shall hollow or consecrate it and so um this began thousands and thousands of uh years that humanity had to live with without total access to the presence of God unlike what Adam and Eve first experienced in the garden and so after that the physical tabernacle and animal sacrifices were their only hope of being right in the standings of God and uh, during that time, they had to go before a priest. A priest would go into the holies of holies. And you better pray that that priest had made everything right between him and God. Or else, well, you'd have to wait until the next year. And uh, let's be honest. We, uh, if I needed my sins covered today, I wouldn't want to wait for, for a year because you weren't promised tomorrow. And so um, the Levitical priests were the only ones qualified uh, to enter God's holy presence. And... Uh, they did this uh, once a year on the Day of Atonement as Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. In the second verse, it put, puts it like this. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be a holy uh, convocation or um, a holy uh, assembling or a calling. Uh, even these are my feast. Uh, Hebrews 9 and 7 puts it like this. It says, But in the second went the high priest alone once every year, not, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. In verse 6 puts it like this. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first temple and they in their first tabernacle according to the service of God. In verse 7, it, it's describing the second, uh, the second um, temple or second tabernacle. And um, believe it or not, um, even though they were giving these sacrifices once a year, and blood was being spilt for them. Um, it didn't get rid of their sins as we find in Hebrews, the um, 10th chapter. And we can just read 1 through 6 or um, 11 through 14 real fast. Or I'm sorry, 1 through 4. I, I, can't, I can't read. Sorry about that. Uh, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually, make the uh, comer thereof perfect. So basically what this first verse is saying is it doesn't matter how much you, you sacrifice. It, was, it wouldn't make you right and perfect in the sight of God. 
um, that, that there was still there was still your human side. There was still that uh, carnal nature. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of the sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. So in other words, um it only it only um prolonged, it only um it only set set aside the need for payment for that time. Um but there was there 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 was going to have to be a ultimate sacrifice uh or there was going to have to be coming a perfect sacrifice as the 11th verse of this uh, same chapter of Hebrews 10 says and every priest standeth daily ministering offering oft times the same sacrifice which can n- never take away sins but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. In other words, um, this man is referring to Jesus Christ, and, and he sat down, and he's not on the right hand of God, but he's seated in power and authority. That's what that right hand means. And, and it goes on to say, from thence expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering or by one death, referring to his his death on the cross, he had perf- he had perfected forever them that are sanctified, them that are um, consecrated, though them that have decided to come out and be holy. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, and I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And so here uh, in in there, we, we see that Jesus Christ was the perfect sacrifice, that there was a need for an ultimate sacrifice of Messiah. And so Jeremiah uh, prophesied an, about a new covenant, the new covenant that we just read. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 puts it like this, Behold, the days uh, days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. What is this new covenant? Um, well, we're going to get into that. Um, so, so there was a need for a Messiah, and that there had been prophecies prophesied for a Messiah, and God's plan for redemption, uh, God's plan to to bring back um, that place of closeness with Him of all humanity was established at the very beginning of all the worlds uh first peter the first chapter 18 through um 20 puts it like this for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers but with precious blood of Christ and as as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. Only the blood of Jesus can take away our sins. Only the blood of Jesus 
can wash you white as snow. And because God knew that this would be his ultimate plan, uh, this would be his, um, this would be his uh, divine will and way, uh, and it was going to be created, it was going to be manifested at the perfect time as, uh, as Galatians, the four and four puts it like this. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son and made of a woman made under the law. Um, he began to reveal how it would happen through the prophecies of the Old Testament prophets. So he didn't want to just spring it on everyone. From the very beginning of, of even back in Genesis, he was trying to tell the people that, that there was hope coming, that there was, that, that sin would not forever reign, but there would be a time that they could, um, they could be free from their sins and uh, this would be later confirmed to the disciples and other key New Testament believers that the man Christ, uh, the man Jesus, was indeed the Christ, the chosen one, the Messiah, in whom they had been waiting and hoping for. And however, only the ones who sincerely sought after Jesus were able to see that he was the fulfillment of all the prophecies. Isaiah said a baby would be born and that from this baby would come a king and a savior of the people as Isaiah the the ninth chapter 6 and 7 puts it like this it says if I can get my for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace and of his and of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from hence ever or hence even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see, the Jewish nation knew that the Savior would come in the form of a baby. Genesis 3 and 15 refers to the Messiah coming from the seed of a woman. Uh, let me let me go ahead and read that so you would under, understand what I'm meaning. And I will put enmity. I will put a strife. I, I'll put hatred. I, I'll put... Um, I'm going to put some 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 um, conflict, so to speak, between thee and the woman. And when he says thee, he's referring to the serpent. He's referring to Satan's sin. And between thy seed, referring to uh, the the death that that sin brings, and her seed, referring to mankind, um, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And what he's saying there again is, is Jesus was born of flesh. And so he was going to crush sin and that he was going to crush the devil's hold on mankind. But in order to do that, he would have to become sin and that he wouldn't have to just become sin, but he would have to give his life for those lost in sin. Uh, Isaiah uh, 7 and 14 prophesies that uh, the woman would um, that the woman who would give birth to the Messiah would be a virgin. Um, Isaiah 7 and 14 
it puts it like this. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel simply means God with us or with us is God. And so um, Mary had this prophecy to refer uh, to, uh, so Mary had this prophecy to refer to uh, when she was visited by the angel and heard the good news that she would be the chosen one to bear the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Uh, Psalms 22, 1 through 13 describes the crucifixion event uh, in, um, in Jesus referenced it while on the cross, according to Mark um, 15 and 34, it describes the agony that Jesus felt when he was on the cross. And, and, and um, as it was to say, go read the Old Testament prophecies. In, in them, you will find the big picture of what is happening. And that is true. Everything in the Old Testament, it's just, uh, it's just everything points to the New Testament. And so, um, so who is this Messiah? Jesus is this Messiah. He is the mighty God in Christ. Um, Isaiah 9 and 6, we've already read it, but we're going to reread this again uh, because it's very important for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father and the prince of peace this child born to mary was not just a portion or piece of god or a part of a committee a committee of gods or uh, just one person of the Godhead, nor um, nor was he one who shared power with someone else, but he was born as the mighty God. He was all powerful, and he shared he shared his power with no one. Matthew twenty eight and eighteen it puts it like this. It says, um. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The Hebrew word used for uh used for God in this um verse in in, in Isaiah nine and six is the word El E L. Uh, and you would probably say, Well, that's Spanish. Well, no, it really is a Hebrew word. And this uh, this word is used uh, for God in numerous verses and different passages in the Old Testament, and it is considered uh, like a shorthand or um, or uh, a version um, of Elohim. And uh, to give you a kind of an example of that, my name is uh, Matthew, but my but if you were to call me by my short name, it'd just be Matt. And uh, uh, Elohim is the most used Hebrew name for God. And this baby, this baby by the name of Jesus, which was born of a woman, is the mighty El, the mighty Elohim, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the Old Testament. And so, um, this baby 
was known as the begotten son. And many use the term son of God as a reason um, to pit, uh, to picture Christ as a son in the way human beings exist as, fa- as father and son. This phrase is used many times in the New Testament when referring to Jesus Christ. Some use the well-known verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten uh, son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, they say that a father figure, God, gave his young son, Jesus, to die for humanity. And God gave his son, and that is true, but it didn't happen as some perceive. So what kind of, uh, so what kind of God would, would he be uh, to let someone else die for his people, right? Uh, we can kind of think that, you know, if, if God can forgive sins, then why would Jesus say, that he had power to forgive sins if only God could forgive sins. Uh, that's just one example. The word, So let's break that down. The word begotten comes from the Greek word uh, genomi. I'm not even sure if I pronounced that right, but uh, it's G-I-N-O-M-A-I, genomi, uh, which refers to a beginning of something. Something had to begin. And the word son comes from the Greek word heulis, uh, H-U-I-O-S, and this word uh, is used to describe humanity or the carrying, uh, the carrying, um, carrying on the weakness or mortality. Um, so, so that it would, it's not immortal, but it is mortal, and this describes humanity or, um, better yet, the flesh. So, there was a beginning to the body or the flesh of God which we know as the begotten son. This was not a different person from God, but it was God taking on human flesh and coming and coming himself to die for us. He did not send anyone else, for there is no one else able to uh, or even capable of taking on the sins of the world. Uh, we we can find John one and fourteen, uh, fourteen and nine, First Timothy two and five. It puts it like this: um, For there is one God and one mediator, or um, one reconciler, someone who can who can bring us back to that to uh, that bring us back uh, that can restore us to that peace and friendship. Uh, before there's only one person that can do that between God and man and and uh, men and the man Christ Jesus and so uh, he is the father and the son in first John two and one it proves this as it says it like this my little children these things write I unto you that ye sin not and if any man sin, we have an advocate, we have a, a comforter with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So the mystery is revealed. First Timothy 3.16 says, For God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of men, preached unto Gentiles, seen of angels and received up into glory. I'm paraphrasing it because I know that we're running short on time. Uh, so God was revealed through the flesh of Jesus Christ. 
So the mystery of who is Jesus? Well, that mystery is revealed. He is the face. He's the image of the mighty God. He is God in flesh as the first whole chapter of Colossians plainly uh, points out. And so who is Jesus? He is the mighty God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And um, tune in next episode, and we're still going to be talking about the oneness of God. And we're going to be talking about why uh, Jesus is the only name uh, that can save you. Uh, that there is no other name. Uh, and uh, so tune in next time, and we will be uh, discussing about why there is no other name given under heaven whereby a man must be saved. Uh, except by the name of Jesus and why that that still is encumbered in the oneness of God because only God can save and his name is Jesus. I pray that everything uh, everything is going good and um, please tune in next time uh, for another episode and uh, pray that we're helping and making a difference. Um, don't be don't be afraid to share it with your friends, um, because our job is to uh, fire inspire our young apostolics. And um, how do we fire inspire them? Well, God is the all consuming fire, and that He said that He would come and He would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so we're we're trying to equip our young apostolics. Doesn't matter if they're um, little age. All the way up to college age or even single, um, uh, you're only as young as you feel, right? Um, but we want to equip you. We want to we want to help you. Um, why? Because um, if you can't get a love for Jesus, then how are you going to get a love for the Holy Ghost? And if you don't have that, how are you going to get? How are you going to be able to stay connected? And and uh, that's the goal of the Fire Podcast. Uh, that goal is to to create that spark, create that, um, give you the tools that you need to succeed in life, not just at not just in success or even in uh, even. Um, I think we did an episode on dating um, or uh, different things, but to give you the success to be to grow in the kingdom of God and to um, and to be able to reach your peers like never before. And uh, sorry, I'm about to go on a preaching spree, uh, so I better call it quits before I start really preaching. Um, but I hope that you enjoyed this lesson, and tune in next time for no other name. God bless, and have a great day.